Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of the Mo Money Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Morehouse. Thank you so much for joining me today. Appreciate you taking the time to put me in your ear, listen while you're on the subway or at work. That's when I listen to my podcasts. And I am so thrilled to talk to my next guest. Her name is Melanie, and she is the blogger behind Dear Debt. So I really love her blog because it focuses specifically on debt. That's a big part of her personal finance journey. But what's so special about hers is she talks about her experience, but she also gives an outlet for other people to share their stories through her Dear Debt letters. So basically her kind of whole premise, and we'll get into this in the show, is to break up with debt, you know, through a Dear John letter. So very excited to talk to her on the show today. Thank you, Melanie, for being on the show with me today. Yay. Thanks so much for having me, Jessica. I'm so excited to be here. And you know, I love Portland, so I'm pretty excited. (laughs) I'm a big fan of where you are living right now. (laughs) It's nice. Yeah, it's beautiful there. Um, So yeah, so let's kind of jump into it. Um, Let's kind of get a a background of of where you came from and and how, how you got into this crazy world of personal finance. Yeah, my personal finance story is quite long, but I'll try to give you (laughs) the abridged version. Um, So I got myself into $81,000 in student loan debt, which, you know, is an astronomical amount of of debt. Let's just be Mm -hmm. honest. Yeah, it's a lot Um, of money. It's a lot of money. money. More money than I've ever made, you know, annually. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much uh, from my undergraduate degree, which was around $23,000 in debt, which, you know, Mm is pretty affordable. Um, but then I really took the leap and went to my dream school, which was NYU, which, you know, was another $58,000 on top of that, mm-hmm. which, you know, makes up the $81,000. And so, you know, a few years ago after graduating from NYU. Um, and that was for your master's degree or? Yeah. So it was yeah. with my master's degree in a, you know, a really lucrative field called performance studies. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, I had tons of jobs knocking at my door mm-hmm. after graduating. <laughs> And uh, no joke. Yeah, no, I feel yeah, I feel yeah. I'm a, a film school grad, so. <laughs> so I had zero jobs. No, I can't. Remember. That's not totally true. I had some part-time jobs, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it was very difficult for me to find full-time work, um, which was hard for me because I had always had a really nice full-time job before that, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of different personal circumstances and professional circumstances, you know, I couldn't find a job in New York. Uh, my partner, who I was doing long distance with, lived in Portland at the time, and we were sort of going back and forth between uh, Portland and New York, which is also mm-hmm. a That's strange. a big commute, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I know. We had met in L.A. I went to school in New York. He went to school in Portland. And we did long distance for almost two years. Wow. And, uh, you know, it just sort of made sense for me to move from New York to Portland because I couldn't really find a job that could help mm-hmm. me pay off my student loans and survive in New York. Mm-hmm. So I came to Portland to be with him, and also it's about 50% cheaper here. So Yes, exactly. really, really good. Um, the thing is, is that Portland has a really horrible economy, unfortunately, like really, really terrible. And so um, I struggled even more when I got to Portland, I would mm-hmm. say. So it's like tricky because everything is a bit more affordable there, but there's still not a big variety of work. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's really heavily um, 
focused on the service industry, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have zero service industry experience. And I feel like, you know, even to work in a coffee shop, you have to have a master's of baristology or something. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, yeah, it was pretty tough for me to find work when I first got here. And so that was another tough point. And so really, you know, I would say about a year of living here, I had just felt like, oh, my goodness, I'm in so much student loan debt. I have a master's degree. I worked so hard. And I can't really find a career here. And I was just feeling mm-hmm. so, so, so frustrated. And I was talking to my boyfriend. I was talking to my parents. I was talking to anybody that would listen mm-hmm. to me about how frustrated I was. And, you know, I, w- I was really kind of spiraling down, you know, a deep, dark place, I would say. I was not in a healthy mm-hmm. mental space at that point. And so I finally just decided one day after lurking on personal finance blogs for so long that I was going to start my own and I was going to channel my energy into something productive and positive. And so that was a lot of rambling, but (laughs) yeah, no, I love it. That's amazing. I think that's really like motivating and cool to see. Cause I I mean, I, I totally feel you coming from an arts background, going to art school, graduating, not being able to find a job. And that's exactly once I um, finished my degree, uh, I also couldn't find work. I, and that's when I actually got interested in personal finance and personal mm-hmm. finance blogs. And that's part of the reason I started my own blog. So I find we have very similar kind of backgrounds, but it's, it's great to see that you kind of took that, you know, you know, you weren't in the best space and I, I was in a dark space too. It was so not fun. It was probably one of the darkest times in my life being unemployed and just feeling unfulfilled and unproductive and then yes. turning it around and doing something mm-hmm. positive. Yeah. Yeah, I was in a horrible, horrible space. I mean, I was in therapy and I was Mm -hmm. just, you know, crying almost every day. Oh, yeah. I was in a deep, dark depression. Like I I own him. Like, yeah, I look back like I was full on depressed. And yeah, at the time I was I was dating my my now husband. I think maybe we'd been together for like two years and he'll still be like, oh, yeah, I remember that year. It was really rough on me, too. (laughs) Like, yeah. My partner is a champion that he stuck with. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we laugh about it now because things are much, much better. And thank goodness, because I was driving both him and my parents crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, they kept telling me, be patient, be patient keep trying, keep trying. And, and you know, when, when you're in that kind of space, like that, that's good advice and that makes sense, but Mm -hmm. that's not what you want to hear. And you just want things to get better and you don't know how that will happen or when that will happen. And so, you know, I realized, you know, I'm sending out a hundred resumes a week and I'm going on interviews and I'm networking. Like, I don't know what else to do. Exactly. You're like, you've got that checklist and you're doing everything on it. So why isn't anything working? You know, so I was super happy that I started my blog because it was something completely different. Mm -hmm. It was a creative outlet for me to just write about debt, honestly, write about Mm -hmm. money, honestly. You know, I couldn't really have this conversation with a lot of my friends who either didn't have student loan debt or their parents paid for it or, you know, they weren't struggling nearly as much as I was. And it was Mm -hmm. just a really, really uh, great thing that happened in my life. And obviously, you know, given how everything has turned out, it's been a complete blessing and the best thing that probably has ever happened to me. I know that's the kind of cool thing. It's like, not only was it just a great outlet and, you know, for that moment, but it's turned into, you know, it's helped you with your current career, but it's also like, and I want to kind of get into this next is, you have kind of a series where called the Dear Debt Letters where you get other people to write into you to discuss their debt. So you're giving an outlet to other people that maybe they don't want to start a blog, but they would like that opportunity to tell their story. So, you know, with a community that totally gets them, which I think is awesome. 
Yeah, I'm so passionate about the Dear Debt Letters. Every time I have someone that, you know, emails me and says, I really want to write a Dear Debt Letter, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And it's so cute because people are always like, what are the requirements? What do I have to do? Is this okay? Feel free to edit it. And I am like such an overprotective mom about the letters. I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, it's perfect as is. I love it. I love all of them the same. (laughs) And I really do, you know, like... I just love them all, and I think whatever people write, um, you know, the Dear Debt letters are essentially a Dear John letter to debt. It's a breakup letter to debt. It's, mm-hmm. you know, this expression of creativity and emotion and, you know, really trying to take back your life. And I think that's super, super important because one of the things that I, I couldn't really find when I was in that deep, dark place was the emotional feelings related to debt. You know, mm-hmm. I would often find that, you know, cut back on your expenses, earn more, you know, all this mm-hmm. other stuff, which is really, really fantastic advice. And of course, that's how you are going to get out of debt. But you really have to change your mindset and really be ready to get out of debt mentally and emotionally first before mm-hmm. you do all those other things. So I was really hoping to create a community of people that you know, want to get out of debt that are working together to get out of debt and really have a supportive community where we encourage each other. And I just mm-hmm. love the Dear Debt Letters. I think it's amazing. And I, I encourage all of the listeners out there that are listening right now to, if you're in a similar boat, to uh, hop on over to Dear Debt uh, and uh, submit your story. So I'll, I'll include a link to uh, where you can do that in the show notes. Um, so moving on from that, so I think that is such one of the coolest things that um, you've done with your blog that really sets your blog, I think, um, you know, makes it kind of stand out amongst all these other blogs out there. But the other kind of cool thing that uh, I recently read a post on your blog about how you've reached your one year of being a freelancer. And I, I'm assuming that the blog has had a big influence on how you became a freelancer. Mm-hmm. Yes, the blog has inadvertently turned into this other career, which is just so amazing and also hilarious and ironic considering that <laughs> I started the blog when I didn't really have work. And, and now it's, it's given you a job, essentially. Yeah. And then the, the funny thing is, you know, I did end up finding a full-time job at a nonprofit probably mm-hmm. six months after I started my blog. And um, it was in the nonprofit sector, which is where I've always worked for the past 10 years. So mm-hmm. pretty much my income has never really surpassed 30 to you know, mm-hmm. $38,000, even mm-hmm. in LA, New York, Portland, it's always been between 30 and $38,000. And so, you know, I've, I've always lived and survived on a fairly low income. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, freelancing was at first a way for me to increase my income in addition to my salary, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I really, really wanted to get out of debt. And I knew that I really needed to make more money. So it was sort of a means to help me do that at first. And then it just, you know, sort of took off and I got more clients and I had more referrals and I built my network where, you know, people would leave their gigs and they would refer me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been this really great sort of referral system and just really putting myself out there. And, you know, I've just learned you never know where your next client will come from. You know, Mm -hmm. clients come from weird, weird places like Twitter. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, from Twitter. And then also uh, someone approached me about writing and I said, hey, where did you find out about me? And uh, they actually found my link on another website because I was nominated for a Plutus Award at FinCon last year. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, it was such a, you know, roundabout way of finding me. I was like, oh, wow, whatever, whatever works. Um, So my point being is that you never know where people will find you. And 
it's always good to put yourself out there. But yeah, after, you know, six to eight months of, of really freelancing hard, I realized that I could make more money as a freelancer. And also I was working insane hours at that time. Mm-hmm. I was waking up at 6 a.m., uh, you know, to do two hours of work before my real job. And then I would come home and work again from six to midnight. And wow, I got cranky. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's overkill. That's crazy. But also amazing that you had that much, I don't know, energy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I could even just like the whole getting up at six. I'm not sure if I could do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't do that now. And it's no. <laughs> hard for me to do that now. But, uh, you know, at the time I had a lot of adrenaline and a lot of passion and I really, really wanted to make it work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, once I just punched the numbers and really sort of looked at the situation, I just knew that I could eventually make more than $30,000 on my own. And I'm very mm-hmm. proud to say that I have done that. And that's been so great for me because, you know, I said that last year, I was like, I knew I could make more than 30000 But, mm-hmm. you know, at that time... I was just making what I was making. So I still Mm -hmm. had to prove that to myself. So to be able to do that has been a really, really great accomplishment for myself. And I'm very happy. Absolutely. That's, it's no easy task to do. And I I totally understand my husband is a freelancer and every year, you know, again, he doesn't make, you know, a boatload of cash or anything like that. But the fact that he, you know, similar to you, he's an audio engineer. So he has to go out and network and meet clients and he never knows what kind of gigs he's going to get. But when we do see like every year, it gets a little bit better and a little bit better. It's like, Listen, you're making money based on, you know, you. Like for me, it's like I work for a company. I get a salary for a job I was hired to do. But for him, it's like, wow, it's kind of crazy that, you know, you almost have a little bit more, I'd say, like job security because you're the one that's responsible for getting your job. For It's like Mm -hmm. for me, what if something happens with my company that I have nothing to do with and I could get laid off for whatever reason? So I, I definitely applaud you for being able to do that. It's very it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, you definitely learn a lot uh, quickly. (laughs) You do have to be resourceful and sort of be on your toes and always look out for the next opportunity and always sort of project the numbers. And yeah, it's sort of a game, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's mainly um, writing that you're doing as a freelancer. Yeah, I would say, uh, let's do the numbers here. I would say, I would say 80% now is probably writing. 10% 10% edi- editing, mm-hmm. 5% social media, and 5% probably event planning. Event planning. Oh, cool. Yeah. I've been uh, doing some work with some financial brands and having mm-hmm. fun blogger events. I've only done a few of them, but that's an area that I hope to grow. That's a cool, yeah, that's a cool idea. That's that's awesome. Um, So how has all of this, like, it seems like a really... Um, you know, it's a scary thing to kind of, you know, quit your job and then, um, just work for yourself, especially when you still have all that debt to pay off. So how did you kind of make that decision and what did you do to be like, okay, I, I'm, you know, I have this goal to make at least $30,000 working for myself, but I also have this debt that I have to pay off. So how did you kind of rationalize that? Yeah, it was such a difficult decision to, to make, you know, to quit my job while still in debt. I mean, traditional financial advice would be don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't quit your job when you have debt. What are you doing? You're insane. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really, really, truly believed in myself that I 
could and would make more money. And that's actually why I quit was to pay off debt and make more Mm -hmm. money because, um, you know, it's funny. I was working, you know, 12 to 16 hour days last year and I was still only making $3,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now I'm making more than that and being able to put more to debt, which Mm -hmm. is just so freeing. And so it really was a financial decision that I knew I could make more. And I really had to psych myself out and really prepare myself like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing to pay off debt. And even though it seems like it doesn't make sense at all to anybody else but me, I know it makes sense and I know it will happen eventually. And I have to really um, prepare myself to hustle. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Hustle Um, in and, uh, you know, those first couple of months, pitch, 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 email, network, um, as we mentioned earlier, um, mm-hmm. you know, FinCon was a really great opportunity for me to network with other people. And that was really sort of a elevating point for me, which was really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, how, are you a natural extrovert? Like is networking and, and hustling like that kind of not a terrifying thing for you? Because for yes. me, that like makes me sweat. <laughs> no, I am an extrovert. I love meeting people. I love talking to people. And I would say, actually, that's the most frustrating thing about being a freelancer, actually, is because I am an extrovert and I like talking to people. I like meeting people. I like connecting people. Um, You know, I get a lot of energy from that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something I miss, actually, you know, being in an office and being like, hey, how was your weekend? You know, how was your day? Even though it's, you know, just kind of small talk, still Mm -hmm. having that interaction. I think, you know, I definitely get energy from other people. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll ever kind of expand your business to include other people? Or do you kind of just think you're going to be like the a one woman kind of business? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I always sort of see myself as a one person business. But I will say in the past month or two, I've just been fantasizing about hiring <laughs> an assistant. <laughs> Please, someone help me. I, know. I don't want to do some of this stuff. That's just so boring. And you know, some things that, yeah, yeah, I just, I want to focus on like the high level creative stuff that actually makes me money. Because the thing about, um, you know, freelancing is there's a lot of administrative tasks that I do that are not paid. Mm -hmm. And that's something that all freelancers should really take into account when they're working is that, you know, maybe I'll get paid $200 a blog post, but you know, how long is the research going to take me? How long is it going to take me to invoice that client? How long are we emailing back and forth? Do they require meetings every week? Um, you know, do I have to have a special contract with them that's going to take me, you know, half an hour to look over and send them back? You know, there's a lot of different things that sort of take up my time that don't seem like they would on an initial glance, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's Absolutely. just, I think I'll always remain small, but I'm hoping once I'm debt-free, maybe I'll hire an assistant to help totally. me. And we'll see where you are in like <laughs> one more year. You never know. Yeah. Um, so okay. one thing I did want to kind of uh, touch on, I do find a big theme is obviously debt repayment on your blog, but mm-hmm. also you have this mindset that's very... I find with a lot of, you know, websites and blogs that talk about debt, it's very much like you have to get it out of debt and, you know, that should be your main priority and you kind of have to cut back, cut back, cut back. And, you know, fair enough. Those are, you know, good points. Mm -hmm. But I feel like for you, especially with having like, you know, a big, um, 
you know, $81,000 in debt to pay off. Like you obviously can't pay that off in two years unless you're making a lot of money and just eating ramen noodles. But you're, it seems like kind of like the theme is like you have debt, um, put, you know, some things into practice to pay it off, but you don't have to stop living just because you're in debt. So that means like you can still travel. You can quit your job for a new opportunity. Like you can still, you know, live your life. Whereas I feel, which I think is a great theme because I feel like lots of people may not want to kind of, you know, think about their debt or really tackle it because they're afraid that of all the sacrifices that they may have to make. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, yeah, debt, repayment is definitely a sacrifice, but let's be honest, you know, debt repayment isn't a prison sentence. It's not something that, you know, we should just beat ourselves over the head with and say, oh my goodness, I'm in so much debt. I'm never going to go out to a restaurant ever again. I'm never going to buy coffee again. I'm never going to buy clothes again. I'm never going to do any of this until I'm debt free. You know, that's just completely unrealistic. And, you know, I think, People that are like that, you know, maybe if they have $5,000 in credit card debt, cool, Mm -hmm. doing it for a few months, awesome. But yeah, I think for people that do have large amounts of student loan or credit card debt like I do, you know, that's not a sustainable method. And, you know, for me, it's always this balance of living life to the fullest while also managing your finances wisely, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because let's face it, I, I could die tomorrow or I could live until I'm 100 years old. I have no idea. And, you know, I have to sort of manage that reality of, you know, I could live for a very long time and I want to make sure I'm I'm responsible with my finances, but I, you know, life is not promised to you. So how can we still have fun, um, and enjoy ourselves? And, and also sort of what you said about the cutting back thing, I definitely think cutting back is worth it, but I definitely focus a lot more on the earning more side, Mm -hmm. um, because I think it's more empowering to, to make Mm -hmm. more money. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've also been there where there's really nothing more to cut back you know it's like Mm -hmm. okay aside from me moving back home with my parents there's really no place for me to cut back I don't have a gym membership I don't have a car I don't have a pet you know Mm -hmm. I don't have (laughs) nothing so absolutely and I I totally agree and and that's kind of one of the reasons when when I was I mean my first job paid you know a really low salary. And I got to the point where I'm like, I cannot cut back any further. There's nothing to cut back. And then, you know, that's when I kind of started getting into reading, you know, personal finance books and blogs. And I'm like, oh, there's, there's ways that I can make more money. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's when, you know, I, instead of at the time when I got my first full-time job, I uh, had this kind of random on-call job as a tele- teleprompter for the news. And I thought I was going to quit that once I started my full-time job. But then I realized, well, you know, I need to actually start saving money. I really have nothing in the bank and my full-time job just isn't going to cut it. So I kept that job. I kept it for three and a half years. And then I started making some money off my blog. And I think that's just a a really important lesson for millennials, especially that may not really think about the making extra money on the side part of it, because it is kind of easier. Like it's not an easy thing to cut back and to budget, Mm -hmm. but it, it is almost easier, I think, than finding other revenue streams. Mm-hmm. a little yeah. bit all about making more money i think it's more fun it's more mm-hmm. empowering um you never know where those leads will will get you um mm-hmm. in the future so all about making more mm-hmm. so one kind of question uh to kind of leave us off knowing what you know now and um just 
having this experience, looking back, do you wish you did anything differently? Do you still, are you still glad that you went to do a bachelor's degree and then a master's at NYU, even though now you're kind of stuck with this big chunk of debt? Mm -hmm. That's a really difficult question for me to ask. And I'll tell you why, (laughs) uh, you know, it's life has had this weird sort, sort of irony for me, you know, where, I started my blog because I was in this really deep, dark place and I couldn't really find a job, you know, and after getting my master's and then in this weird way, starting my blog about student loan debt has turned me into a freelance writer who writes about student loan debt. So if I didn't go to NYU, I wouldn't have my current career. Um, Mm -hmm. So in a weird way, in a very weird backwards way, it has uh, worked out way better than I had imagined. Um... But if I if I weren't to think weren't thinking about it that way, um, I would definitely second guess my idea of going to my quote dream school. I feel like, um, you know, the, the idea of the dream school can just be very seductive, and mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like any sort of fantasy you have once you see the reality of it. You're like, oh, it's not that great. <laughs> I know it was a dream. I mean, you know, that's the thing. It'll never kind of, uh, you know, live up to it, what it it was in your mind. But yeah, at the end of the day, it is what it is. And you got to where you are now because of what happened. So So, yeah, I have no regrets. But if I were to do it again, I would think very carefully. And that would be the advice. That's the advice that Mm -hmm. I would give others is to really think carefully about this idea of the dream school. And, you know, is it really worth it to pay double, triple what you Mm -hmm. could get elsewhere for this idea of the dream school, especially when, you know, jobs are not guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, sadly. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the program today. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was a blast chatting. Oh, thanks. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. I appreciate you and make sure to check out the show notes for this episode at momoneymohouses.com slash 21. Also check out Melanie's awesome blog, deardebt.com. And hopefully, you know, if you need an outlet and you want to share your debt story, I totally encourage you to submit your Dear Debt letter on Melanie's awesome website. I'll make sure to include some links in the show notes in case you want to find out specifically how to do that. Thank you again for listening and I will see you for episode 22. I can't believe we're at 22 next Wednesday. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.